welcome to the Spotlight on New Mexico Film Podcast, where we get to know the thought leaders, innovators, movers and shakers building up the New Mexico film industry. Great. Well, first and foremost, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Yate. My name is Desba. Um, I'm from northern New Mexico. I was born in Santa Fe, and I'm currently residing here um, in Santa Fe for the last four years. I'm a SAG actor currently. I'm also a member of the WGA. Um, I'm a professor at Northern New Mexico College. Yeah, I don't know. I have a I have a 11 year old who keeps me on my toes and likes to steal my makeup. What prompted you to want to get into the film industry? Um, it was purely by accident. Um, I had been working for the Navajo Nation as a geologist, um, and you know, I had gone to work there partially as a way to come back home. I had been out in Massachusetts for, you know, a while and I applied to go to, uh, Navajo Nation and they accepted. And so I moved my family, um, my daughter, and then my, her father later moved to New Mexico, but it just, you know, as much as I wanted to help out and I, you know, it's also part of me understanding my culture more because I didn't grow up traditionally Navajo. Um, it was an opportunity for me to be able to be a part of that and to, you know, learn more. And I did. Um, but it was also kind of challenging working for the government, you know, just, it, it was not quite, I guess, something that I felt like was the best use of my talent or skill. Um, and it turns out that it would end up being, you know, storytelling. My sister sent me a casting call and said that they were looking for uh, a Navajo woman um to do a feature film in the four corners area and she said you know it's fun for me i work you know on longmire and i work on um uh, breaking bad and it's been really fun and it's long hours and you're in the cold and you're in the rain and you're in the wind and you're in the sun but it's fun she's like sometimes you you get to have the celebrities talk to you and so you know maybe this will get you somewhere and um she just knew i wasn't really entirely i mean i wanted to be there but i also wasn't happy it wasn't fulfilling that makes perfect sense. It was something that you ended up gravitating towards and trying it out, and then it ended up working very well for you. Yeah, I actually landed my first um, audition ever with that feature film. Um, it didn't work out. I had been hired on for about a couple of months, and I had to make a decision, you know, do I, you know, pretty much to completely do a career change? Um, or, you know, I also was a massage therapist too, so I was like, well, I've, you know, I have my geology degree. I could, you know, try to find a job back here in um, Navajo Nation if that's the way um, that's going to turn out. Or I can probably do a massage if this also doesn't pan out. And it didn't. I got dropped from the project, um, which was a great blessing in disguise because that's how the film industry is. It just kind of goes up and down. And that was my first experience. And so I was like, well, I have absolutely nothing left to lose, really, because I don't have this other job. I, you know, I could do the massage, but let's try this. Um, I had met some casting directors and they said, you know, I should consider getting headshots and a resume and, you know, starting to get an agent. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I do federal codes. I know about the psoas muscle and mandibular whatever, but this whole headshot resume stuff and acting demo reel and agent, no idea what you're talking about. But I assume you learned rather quickly. Yeah, I did. Um, I just went to Facebook and I went to all the different background casting notices and groups and um, lists and everything. And I just, I observed and I learned really quickly, you know, about getting paid for work, um, you know, who the major background talent people were to, you know, submit to what it means to even submit, you know, that they don't call you back unless they want you. 
just all kinds of stuff that was just a lot, a huge learning curve for me. Um, so yeah, I learned pretty quickly from doing the background and I ended up getting a, a, a small little featured role on Longmire. That was the first thing. And I was so worried about even being on that set that I really was holding my breath until the director yelled action. I was so scared that they were going to kick me off the set and be like, you know what? She doesn't really fit in with, you know, A. Martinez. Can we get somebody else? Wardrobe, you know, or uh, casting. Can we get someone else? Because that was my, was my last experience. You know, I had just, you know, was booted um, rather unceremoniously. And so I was just waiting for that to happen. So was it the continuing experience that kind of helped build up that confidence? Yeah. I mean, it sounds maybe kind of egotistical to say, but like, you know, they, I got encouraged by, you know, Angelique Midthunder. I got encouraged by Kathy Brink. Um, even um, Kenneth, I can't remember what his last name is. He was the person that I was doing a chemistry read with. Um, he was just like, yeah, you, if you don't know what you're doing and you're doing what you're doing, you really should consider getting an agent. We're not trying to tell you what to do, but you should probably maybe look at a career change. So. I kind of trusted that, that, you know, they had these professionals telling me, you know, this is something that I could do. And I was like, well, why not? You know, I had been in the movie theater the year before in Massachusetts watching, you know, a movie by Scott Cooper thinking, wow, I'd really like to be able to do that. Oh, I'd like to be, you know, like Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, I'd like to be like, um, you know, the other actresses that were in that movie. I can do that, you know, and every, I know all, all the actors say that everybody, you know, says, oh, I can do that. And then when you get thrown that opportunity, you know, you get thrown into the deep end and then you decide whether or not you actually really can swim, whether or not you can tread water. And I found like I could tread water. No, that's fantastic. And so how is it that you transitioned from acting to writing? Persistence and determination and not accepting no um, really was kind of basically what it was. You know, I had mentioned it to some people that, you know, I had just finished my MFA at IAI in screenwriting. Um, you know, I know that there's not a lot of indigenous writers out there, specifically Navajo. Um, and I just kept saying, I know, I know you need me in the room. Just, you know, tell me who I need to talk to, um, to say, hey, you know, I know this sounds really crazy and my resume is nothing, but based on my ability to to write, I knew that there had to be a small chance um, that somebody, the right person, had to look at what I could write and know that I was right for the room. And that happened. They said, you know, we fell in love with the, basically the first script that I ever wrote was an 11-page script, and it was about the Navajo Long Walk. And they said that they loved that, that my voice was clearly revealed in that short little tiny thing. And, you know, I had submitted like three other, you know, types of writing. I had submitted a comedy pilot. I had submitted the first act of my feature film and then, you know, something else. And then this, um, so it wasn't like I just submitted just this 11 page thing, but, you know, they said, clearly you have a range, you have a knack for dialogue and you, you have your own voice, you have your own style already. And that's the kind of, you know, writing that we could really use. You know, it just happened like that, really. Just complete persistence and I guess a belief in what I could do and also realizing that, you know, I, I was needed. 
That's amazing. So being an actress and being a writer and telling indigenous stories, how do you feel with um, getting these stories out into the world and these productions now coming to New Mexico and telling these indigenous stories and distributing them to the masses now, you know, how does that make you feel and how do you see indigenous writing and storytelling going in the future as far as film production, especially here in New Mexico? Well, I really feel that like indigenous story writing and, and filmmaking in general really actually originated here in the Southwest. It really originated here in New Mexico. And then it was kind of, you know, trucked over to California. But like all the stuff was shot here. You know, they had, um, you know, those cameras in the 80s and 1800s. And, um, you know, they were they were shooting movies here. Uh, a little a lot of it was also political commentary. Um, people say like Hollywood and politics don't, don't go together. And I'm like, uh, it's been that way since the very beginning. (laughs) That's basically the whole point, you know, the untold story. And in some ways, you know, I feel like it returning back to New Mexico is, um, essential and it would be a full circle moment. Um, you know, basically what I hope in general with New Mexico is that we, you know, from the ground up rededicate or, you know, rebuild what we kind of in some ways lost to Hollywood. Um, All the talent that we have here, we have so many stories. Everyone here has their own story to tell. And currently, you know, as a, as a professor (laughs) for the first time, you know, I'm trying to also encourage, you know, my students. And then also just, you know, in the past six or seven years that I've been doing this, you know, something that I found as a student taking classes as a screenwriter, video production you know, how important our stories really are. And from our perspective, you know, it's 360 degrees, you know, all the way around, you know, the sphere of perspective. And, you know, we've only been able to see through one lens for such a really long time that, you know, we really do need that other 350 degree, you know, encompassing all directions, all dimensions um, to really flesh out what the human experience is. And that's why it's so important that we, you know, really focus our efforts here in New Mexico with with the the kids, with the students um, that are coming up into the ranks, you know, that they realize they can be storytellers as crew members, as above the line, below the line, um, and just all facets. Because, you know, the wardrobe person has their way of telling the story. The lighting person has their way of telling a story. The set deck. Um, you know, it's not just about the directors and it's not just about the writers. It's about everybody building this world, making it, you know, quote, immersive. Um, and it, that's the thing about filmmaking is it always has been immersive, um, but it has only particularly been immersive to um, the actors. You know, we create these new worlds, fantasies or, you know, what we want. And having the indigenous lens and having that indigenous stories, I think, would really fully flesh out the human experience. Because on one hand, you know, we try to tell stories from our point of view, from the indigenous point of view. But really what it is, is just from our personal human experience, growing up through the lens of a Native person. And that that experience, you know, someone else be like, oh, well, I realize um, growing up, you know, I did the same thing. But, you know, they're from a different country. Um, you know, that we can relate to each other and see more sameness and um, come together in that in that realm. So I just think it falls would come full circle to have it here in New Mexico to bring it back to the source. Um, and then also realize that we are a part of that, that continuing uh, storytelling. Most definitely and very well said. So with all your experience, 
from acting to writing, and I believe you've produced as well. What is your favorite role within the industry? So far, I really like writing. Um, you know, it, as much as I love to be able to kind of really get into a role and be able to act and be silly or be funny or clever or whatever, dramatic, you know, really make that emotional connection. So far, I've been really fulfilled as a writer to see my words being said by someone else and then like someone else being like, wow, that line was really awesome. Or, you know, I really connected with that because then that's just really, it, it, it kind of covers a little bit more of, I don't know. It just, I, I really so far like the writing. I would love to get more into the bigger productions right now. I'm just doing my own small little, you know, shorts and stuff. You know, I, I recently worked on a documentary with my father um, and then I've worked with my kid and my dog. But, you know, just other little things. I really do like writing and creating that world. But I would definitely like to be able to have my hands on, you know, directing and trying to help shape the writing, someone else's writing even too. And working with the actors, um, trying to, you know, figure and establishing the shots and, you know, what it is and trying to maybe a little bit more stepped back from where I was with the writing um, and just kind of playing with that world. So those are the next steps is just, you know, other directing opportunities, small working with other people and producing bigger projects. That's amazing. And you kind of touched on it earlier about that human connection. And it sounds like in your writing, whenever someone can relate or really see themselves within the written work, it kind of gives that human connection of, hey, well, this is my lived experience. And now someone else gets to see it through their lens. Yeah, you know, I've shared some stuff, you know, that with my with my family, of course. I'm like, hey, how does this sound? Or, you know, or I'm talking through something with someone else, either to get into a character. You know, I, I try to work with my friends, especially if it's like, hmm, what do you know? Who is this person, and how would they, you know, what part of me, what part of the truth of me, really relates to what's going on? And also, you know, I like the idea of trying to see other you know, the other person, the other situation that may not be more common to me and how I would look at things. And, you know, sometimes I feel, you know, in my own personal life, you know, I'm trying to understand other people, like what are their motivations? Why are they getting out this way? Or why am I'm so angry at someone? Why, you know, there's like this um, discord. And what could possibly allow me to see it from their point of view? that I could see that maybe there is a similarity or a sameness between us because then that's where you find, I guess, the peace. That's where you find the love. And that's the point of what I want to do with my storytelling is, yes, there's all this violence. Yes, there's all this trauma. Yes, there's all these um, horrible things. I'm not saying that we, we live in this perfect world, but I'm trying to work on it in my own life too. It's like, how can I keep the hope and the love and the joy alive, even in the midst of all the pain and the trauma? How can I move forward so that my focus is on that? It's on the healing and on telling that story instead of being sucked into the cycle of constantly being a part of the violence and the trauma in that, in that way. Um, and to be able to help other people be like, oh, that really meant something to me. And I, and I understood that. And maybe help change their point of view because it's something that maybe I wrestled with and um, I took the time to try to really 
pull apart and then put back together so that it can help someone else and facilitate their growth. That's amazing. And I think also the power of the medium of film is being able to educate through storytelling, which sounds like that's exactly what your goals are. And I think we'll end up making you a wonderful director. <laughs> well, I hope. Yeah, you know, we'll see. Somebody can <laughs> hand me a script to <laughs> direct. <laughs> I don't know. I, I say someone else's script because sometimes when you're too close to your own material, like my brain just will, you know, I'll be too much of a perfectionist. It'll be much easier if it's someone else. Completely understandable. So how would you encourage, you know, locals or people within the indigenous community to get more involved within the industry? There's classes, um, kind of basically what I did, you know, I just, I just scoured all of Facebook to see what was available to me and trying to see if I can do background. Background is actually a really good way to understand and see a big set, you know, that, that two seconds of film time actually took like half an hour or an hour time. And that took up almost all the day. You know, it's not as easy as it looks. It takes a lot of dedication. People are standing on their feet. Um, so being background, I think, is actually a really good way to be on set and see how that works. Second would be like if you're in a crew position, like a PA. Um, I know that they have, I think Stagecoach Foundation has um, some PA training courses. I think that we're trying, you know, with various different organizations and programs to be able to get more hands-on for, for students especially. But, you know, like my dad was 70, he's 76, and he took a screenwriting course at the college. And, you know, I think storytelling and, and all its facets are important for everybody. Um, for the Indigenous community, really, like, you know, the phone, um, recording your everyday life, you know, turn that home video of that family reunion, you know, into something else. And it's really kind of hard because trying to turn into a family reunion movie into, like, you know, like a TikTok video. I mean, you could, right? Um, but I feel like realizing that our stories are are just as important within the family to ourselves for our own amusement, for our own joy, for our own uh, documentation are really just as important as anything else that might have cost $200 million to, you know, produce and distribute worldwide and everyone sees it. Um, if we try to focus more on the fact that like, you know, our stories are important and just, you know, starting small and really just realizing that taking a, you know, a video of grandma is really important and you can do something with that. Um, you can add to it. You can create that art. And that's the only really way is just to jump in. I love that. And it kind of initiates your own way of storytelling by just, you know, making those little videos or doing those little things and getting your palette wet on what really works for you or what you gravitate towards. And I think a lot of feedback that we get too is people just saying yes, showing up to the event, networking, and just putting yourself out there, which is, which is exactly what you did. You know, even when you didn't quite feel confident due to a previous experience, you still just allowed yourself to get out there and say yes and take advantage of those opportunities. Oh, yeah. There's just, there's so many different levels, like, you know, just going, starting somewhere. Yeah. Networking events is really, because there, there's also network stuff. There's productions, there's distribution, there's um, you know, the writers, the directors, the the actors, and sometimes people stay in their lane. Um, and, you know, that's the only thing they do. There's a difference between documentaries 
and scripted work. You know, you, there's a difference between public television and, you know, a, a bigger, you know, giant corporation network that's owned by another bigger, you know, mega whatever. And they have like a million production companies. There's so much to try to research and understand about this industry that, you know, you could spend your entire lifetime and never get through it. And yeah, that's what happens. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I think most people just look at the actors and the directors and occasionally the writers and they don't really think much beyond that. But there are so many different ways to get involved mm-hmm. that it's it's actually really crazy how you can even take skills in an everyday job and transfer th- transfer them into the industry. Oh, totally. And people people skills is, is not to be overlooked at all. One of the first pieces of advice that I got was be gracious and be grateful. Be gracious in everything that you do because you never know who the person who's handing you the water bottle, who's like, you know, the PA who's handing you the water bottle will one day be your boss. And you never, you know, be thankful and grateful for everything, you know, especially with union workers or anybody, you know, they, that's their job to get you the chair. That's their job to do this. Um, if you're not on a union set, you know, you know, lend a hand where it's safe. Um, safety is of utmost importance. Um, you know, in any facet of, of any type of production, I would hope, but, you know, be gracious and grateful for, for the opportunities that you have, even for the stuff that doesn't work out because the things that haven't worked out for me have ended up allowing me to be able to move into a different direction that I never thought of before. So how do you think transitioning into this industry has changed your life and your outlook on life? Like I said, when I when I went to the Navajo Nation, part of it was to come home and, you know, be closer to home, to my family. I was four hours away to learn more about my culture, which I did, and to understand that. I got what I needed out of it in some ways. I made some connections and friends from um, that are still friends with my me now. But I needed to have that kind of thing fail for me to really dig into the my own soul's purpose. And I'm one of those people that believes in that because, you know, whether you look at it as a vocation, whether you look at it as like, um, the desires of your heart, you know, the things that are meant for you will happen if you allow them to. And it's, it's also transformative because I had, I had been married (laughs) and then that at the same time, you know, we, we, we were separating and then I had to, I really had to cling to myself. I really had to support my own dream in terms of like, I had to tell people, no, this is what I'm doing. No, this is what I need to do. I had to learn to trust my instinct. I had to learn to trust myself, which also is in part what I realized that in the audition room as an actor, you really had to my life as an actor really informed how I tried to live my life. You give it 100% in that moment. You are so in that moment, in that room, you are that character. And then you leave it there because you never know if you're going to get that role. It's just goodbye and you let it go. Um, the same thing. You're just constantly trying to be in the moment. You're not living in the past. You're not living in the future. You're just totally here and appreciating the people that you're with, the situations, even if they're messed up and they're not seemingly what you would like, you just accept the way things are. Um, and then you can move more freely by that experience into something else. Like you could pivot into another character, another role. 
in your life, you can pivot from having to move out of your house into somewhere else at the end of the month because it's a possibility for improvement or a new um, path for you that might be better than what you're in right now. And so a lot of what I learned on set in the audition room and as a writer has informed how I try to also live my life. And a lot of it has been to just really be in the moment and again, you know, to be really, really grateful. It, it, it helped me to center myself, to trust my in, own instincts. And that's, again, you know, another thing in, in the room, you know, um, if you have to improvise, well, what would you naturally do? And even in a script, they don't give you every single exact thing. You're like, well, if I'm talking to this person over here, then I have to, you know, you have to think on the spot. You have to troubleshoot. You have to, you know, constantly be able to to maneuver and move around in the space that you're in and realize that you have all the space. You can do all these things. And it's freeing when you don't inhibit your own self and you don't inhibit your own growth that you have to just stay in one spot, whether it's, you know, physically in the room or on the set or, you know, even in your own headspace or even in your own physical world of your own life, you know, um, limiting yourself, limiting beliefs that you have to stay in this one particular place. Why not use all the room? Why not use all the things? Why isn't life, a, you know, one giant possibility of trying to make it happen? So that's how I feel like, you know, the film industry really changed who I am. It made me a stronger person to support myself, my dreams, my desires, and be in charge of the direction my life is going. So beautifully said. And I think a perspective that we have not heard at all before. So thank you so much for sharing that personal experience and how your work life transitioned into your personal life. And it is one of those things where you felt unfulfilled and it was whatever it is brought you into the scope that you needed. Yeah. And it was just a huge blessing. And one more thing like about it is, you know, I had been told by somebody, you know, that I was being selfish for trying to do the film industry. And I was like, that is the farthest thing from the truth. Um, I, I show people all the time, you know, this tattoo that I have on my arm. It's got my kids um, drawing basically during the pandemic. And I try to remind myself too, similar to this, you know, we wear red wedding rings on our left hand. You know, we say that our hearts are on our sleeves because we're, you know, emotional or our emotions come easy to us and that our kids are like our hearts outside of ourselves. And so this on my left hand, you know, my kids drawing is a reminder to myself that all the decisions that I make, you know, what whatever it is, have to include her. She's one of the people in my life that has inspired me. Um, and, you know, I don't do anything to necessarily push me just ahead. It's to pull us ahead. It's to put us in a place that we can enjoy our life um, and that I can be able to more um, easily be able to take care of her, whether it's financially or just to be more settled in who I am to allow her to be who she is. Um, so all my decisions, I try to remind myself, you know, have to include her. Is this the right thing for us? Um, and she's never, I don't want to see her as being like a barrier to my success or the reason why I stopped doing something. Um, you know, it's a choice that I make that, you know, well, I had this option and I had this other option and I choose the one that was best for us. And that was, you know, something that I hadn't actually really ever gave thought to before so clearly 
And, you know, I always try, I've always tried to, to do that. Um, and that's again, kind of a little bit from my own personal musings. I'm like, well, you know, I, I have all these ambitions and, you know, I'm, I'm a single mom. I mean, that's kind of hard to do. I can't feel comfortable about myself if I think that she holds me back. I have to somehow figure out how to include her. And that's also the best challenge that I've had. Oh, that's great. But in, in, in doing that, you're teaching her so many lessons, so many life lessons she's learning through you and as you're being able to grow. And it's just beautiful. And congratulations, because it is hard being a single parent and being able to do what you're doing and fulfilling yourself and making choices for the both of you. It's commendable. Well, thank you. <laughs> Well, how can people learn more about you? How can people reach you, learn more about your classes? Uh, how can they get a hold of you? Um, just Desba, D-E-Z-B-A-A. Um, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook mostly. Um, <laughs> I had somebody tell me that they were one of those people that doesn't interact with my page. It's totally fine. Um, but they're like, you write some really funny stuff. And I'm like, good, I'm glad <laughs> I'm working on my stand-up routine. One of these days I'll go down to, um, you know, those open mic stand-up comedy things and I'll try my two-minute, five-minute, you know, stand-up routine. Well, let us know when you do so that way we can go and cheer you on. (laughs) Well, it was an absolute pleasure, Desma. It was a pleasure to meet you. It was a pleasure to speak to you. You are an absolute treasure. We're lucky to have you here in New Mexico. Thank you for all the work that you do. And yeah, it was just an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Spotlight on New Mexico Film Podcast. And thank you to our Spotlight guests for chatting with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and don't forget to visit us online at nmfilm.com or follow us on social media at New Mexico Film Office.